Welcome to Relationship, where real-life couple Justin and Candace share their keeping it real perspective on the ins and outs of their personal and professional experiences, navigating the ups and downs of partnerships in life and business. They will also offer practical advice for maintaining strong, healthy, fun, and successful relationships in life and business. If you're ready for comedic and insightful exploration of life, love, law, business, and everything else in between, you're in the right place. Buckle up, it's going to be a wild ride. Here are your hosts, Justin and Candace. All right, welcome back to Relationship. Today we have Kurt Jordan, founder and chief head monkey of Kong Academy, I love it, and Elke Robshaw, co-founder and chief play officer. Together they built a successful business teaching children's social and emotional skills and run thriving kids parenting to help parents raise independent kids while building a strong emotional relationship. Despite the challenges of starting a business and relationship at the same time, Kurt and Elke have made it work and excited to share their story. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thank well, you for thank having you. us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So before I start asking you guys questions, I'm very excited for this specific podcast because after I re- read your the narrative, I was like, wow, Justin and I are currently in this very, very specific space with our son who is 11 years old, and we are dealing with some emotional issues and anxiety with him going away to sleepaway camp this summer. So we have the opportunity for us to give you a real life situation and you guys can kind of work into this podcast um, and use our son and use us as kind of not guinea pigs, but you know what I mean. You guys can kind of we'll be the case study today. We could be the case study study for today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But before we really get down to the nitty gritty, um, why don't you tell the audience and tell us a little bit both about, you know, about each of you um, so that we kind of get get a sense for who you guys are. Okay, I'll start. I'll start. (laughs) Okay. So I'm from Germany originally, but I moved to Seattle 10 years ago. And um, before that, I've lived in different countries. So I lived in, I moved here from Paris. And before that, I lived in London. So I've moved around a little bit. But I'm a big fan of Seattle. So um, I was really excited when we got here. And I have two kids. They are now almost 13 and 14. So one of them is almost 13. The other one is 14. And um, Kurt and I, <laughs> Kurt and I, <laughs> In 2014, I think. So it's almost 10 years ago. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. And uh, Kurt worked at a gym, at a parkour gym, where I took my kids. And so Kurt was my boys' coach. And I was just extremely impressed. I was so impressed by the way how he dealt with kids. And Kurt is the, one of these weird people. He walks across a playground where he doesn't know a single child. And he ends like 30 seconds later at the other end of the playground with a big crowd of kids around him. They all want to be his friends. It's just He's really- like the Pied Piper, but with kids instead of <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so seeing him work with, with my boys and just all the, how he impacted them and the stuff they said after the class, I just thought, this is amazing. This is so incredible. I really need to get more of that. <laughs> yeah. Now we're here. <laughs> and now we're here. So... How soon after you guys met, did you guys get together? It was a slow build. It was... Uh, Three years? Yeah. So it were was... you in the friend zone for a long time, Kurt? Yeah. Well, I mean, we were friends with each other for a long time. It wasn't like... I, there was no me pursuing. It got was, it, got it, got it. 
It was uh, I'm strictly professional. Like yes, it was very very professional for yeah. us. Oh, I'm so trying to turn this into this. Like <laughs> I know, I know, I know. One day on the jungle, Jim. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I uh, regardless of, you know, because um, at that time I was I, I was married as well. So I was like, no, no, we're just friends. Like, it wasn't even a, con- a concept to me that that was even going to be a thing. Um, and we were um, we were both married at that time. Actually. Yeah, exactly. So, we both married. so it wasn't even like a, it Not wasn't even a thought. But uh, so our relationship was very professional. And then we slowly became friends and our marriages fell apart. And, you know, we were single and then. Our friendship slowly developed throughout, you know, for, through quite a while. That became more, and that became more, and then we decided let's have a start a business. And well, yeah, so, no, actually, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's the next logical thing. Which I love, which is a great segue. So, what is it? What was that moment, that aha moment, that you two had, where this Kong Academy, you know, started? So I started Kong when I was working with my friends at this gym and, you know, and albeit like I was a terrible employee. I was not somebody who should be employed. Um, <laughs> it's um, like my skill set is very good, which is probably why they kept me as long as I did. Right. But right. But my ability to be an employee is terrible. So I needed to start making more money. My opportunities to make money were getting lessened, but I needed to create a livelihood. And right. so I was like, hey, I want to do this with you guys. They were like, no. And so I was like, okay, well, I need to create more money for myself. So I started this company on the side. And then I had to make a choice whether or not I was going to continue working with my friends or if I was going to go pursue my own thing. I chose to pursue my own thing, which I was very grateful for because then it was like months later, they lost the space and everything. So I would have probably lost my job anyway. Right. Uh, totally so- fortuitous. I love that. Yeah. And very, very, very shortly after, Elka was like, I want in. I, I know what you do, and I want, I want to be a part of it. And so we came to a deal where, you know, she, I think he worked. Yeah, I worked a free, year, a year for free yeah. <laughs> to, earn, to earn equity in the company. <laughs> yep. And then so we became partners. And honestly, I know everybody kind of advises that you don't become partners with your partner right like you're you're yeah, no. how, yeah. it's how, worked so far for 12 years I'll tell you that much yeah but I think it's actually really helped because you know I don't think I could be with somebody that wasn't an entrepreneur and starting something because of how much time and focus and dedication it takes to make something happen that right. if you're aligned and you're both pulling in the same way you're both 100 something you're doing together right yeah so, and at the end of the day like the people that it, it doesn't work out for, and I know I'm, I'm jumping a little bit ahead because I want to go back and ask you some pointed questions with some of the stuff that you've said so far. But I think that, you know, when I ask and people want to talk to me about running a business with your partner, uh, I think that a lot of what gets in the way is pure ego. Because if the two of you realize what the potential is that you don't or you shouldn't have any conflict of interest, right? So the money's all going to you. The both of you get to share in on it. So if, and if you realize what you can do together and build something and not 
kind of freak out in that realistic sense in that, you know, when two strangers are partners and they get into business with each other, it's scary because, you know, at some point there may be conflict where now there's this conflict of interest where it's like, well, I want this or I want that. And your, you know, and my, you know, ideas and interests don't align because we're, we're strangers. We're not in the family together. We're not, you know, married or, or together. Um, and so I find that when that happens, you know, things can explode, but, and egos can get in the way and, and, and greed can get in the way. But when you kind of have something together, those things shouldn't get in the way, either greed or ego or anything like that, because it's all in for you. It's all, you know. Yeah, I would say another piece to that that you mentioned was um, conflict. I think uh, a conception that you shouldn't have it, or and if you do, then there's something wrong. But that's not conflict. True. Healthy conflict is really great, right? Because yeah. it Depending defines you. really your character of how you deal with the conflict. One of the things we also learned is that we don't try and do it all yourself because we did. I mean, it's funny. Like for a while, for a while. We had no conflict in our relationship. The relationship was great. As soon as we were a couple, everything was amazing. As soon as we started having a business meeting, we were at each other's throat. And it was like, ah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, why does this keep happening? And it's almost, it was so conditioned that I was already expecting the conflict. As soon as I put a meeting in the calendar, I knew, oh my God, this is just going to be, ugh. Um, So we we reached out to our coach. And so the the idea that you need to fix everything yourself is also, it's because it can be overwhelming when you're in a couple, you know, you're together 24-7 and you spend a lot of time together and everything. There's no, it's very hard to have your own little thing because you share work and you share the family and you share interests and you you share so much. Right. really important to be realistic and to say, hey, you know, if there is something that we can't fix ourselves, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's broken. It just right. means that you need help to get better. So right. that definitely helped us yeah. a lot. And to understand what or what the other person needs and how that person needs something. Like, so right. for example, I'm ready to solve problems. I'm ready to jump in now. I'm ready to just say, this is, we'll do this, 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 and this. Right. And as soon as I start to declare, like, we're going to do A, B, and C. I freak out. She'll freak out <laughs> because because she believes that that is now the actual plan. So what I've needed to learn how to do is say, I have an idea, and I'd like to know what you think, right? And right. that one sentence, it's, that one the sentence makes, makes the difference. <laughs> because then I she haven't goes, learned that yet, by the way. Right. I'm oh like gosh, a I'm like that. a bull in a china shop, and I'm a control freak, and I want to be like, all right, this yeah. is what we're doing, because I I have I'm not only good with the big picture, but I'm also good with implementation. Whereas some people are just the big thinker, and somebody else has to be the implementer. So I'm just that control freak that's like, all right, this is what the plan is, and we're going to do it, and here's how we're going to do it, which doesn't always go well. So I appreciate you. I love the fact that you just said that yeah well and if everybody has a different need because they have a different perspective or they have a different conditioning or whatever it is and right. so for her she just starts jumping in right away into the numbers how am i going to make this work because she's you know the she's, numbers she's the numbers lady <laughs> so she's the one that makes the trains run on time right but you know for, yeah. and so for us to learn that that is what the other person does or needs makes all the difference but you, but you have to think of it not in terms of how you think of things, which is the tricky part. So it's right. It, it's sharing and from another perspective and listening to understand that that's something that just really makes a difference. So I don't know. That's kind of a tangent, but you know. 
No, but I, I love tangents because I, you know, this is one of the reasons why we decided to do this podcast is there's so much information out there. And I'm always the person, you know, whether I see a, a, a news story on TV or I'm reading something, whether it's a book or I'm, I'm maybe listening to other podcasts, everybody wants to talk in the most general sense, assuming that everybody's going to just understand all of the backstory and all of the nitty gritty and the thought process and the psychology and the feelings and, the you know, and nobody ever delves into it you know so i always am that person that's like okay well what you know when i watch a news story i'm like well you missed the the what you only told me the who and the and the where but you forgot all of these different things and so it's so important for me when i when i talk to people about their life experiences and the lessons people want to know the backstory people want to know all the different nuances so that they really get it and maybe you know your story or, you know, your thought process behind the experiences that you've gone through might actually help some people out there. But I, I don't want to keep going ahead because I told you I wanted to go back. So can you just, you know, because this is something I'm, I'm super, super interested in, as I told you guys when we started that, you know, this really what you guys do for a living really hits home, especially for us, you know, now. And obviously, since, you know, our child was born and able to actually communicate. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you guys do at Kong Academy. And then I want to ask you some some questions in relation to what we're going through right now with our own son. Um, and I don't mind sharing. We're a complete open book and maybe, you know, our story and what we're going through right now, you know, and if you guys are able to give, you know, just your little tidbits might help people out there. Happy to. So tell me what you guys do at Kong Academy. You want to go for it? Okay. I'll start, I'll start this. So it's uh, we teach kids social and emotional skills through play and movement. And the reason why we do that is because a kids really, really need those social and emotional skills. And I always say it's, it's in, really interesting because so many parents and obviously school, they emphasis 100%, you know, as long as the kids get good grades and, you know, as long as math and language arts and all these things are great, it's fantastic. And then the kid will be successful and they go to the right college and they go, go do all the right things that make them happy. But what we've seen is, you can be a genius in math, but if you don't have the social and emotional skills, you will never be happy. You don't have to be a genius in math, but if you have the right social and emotional skills, you will be able to develop a, you know, a happy life, a balanced life, and you will become a successful adult and parent yourself. So that's, for us, everything we do is the foundation of everything is building those social and emotional skills. And what we've seen is, the way how it's been done right now is really counterproductive. I mean, it's it's so much is sitting <laughs> sitting kid down and working on with worksheets, all hypothetical. It's not meaningful. It's not relevant to their lives. And kids just shut down, especially boys between the ages of eight and twelve. I mean, when yes. I, yeah, when my older son had his first um, SEL assignment at school, he had to walk around and then okay, take a walk in the, around the neighborhood and then go home and write a poem. He really didn't want to, he really didn't want to write a poem. He didn't want to reflect on his feelings and, and he just thought, so basically he wrote a poem about his cat, cat crapping in the backyard. So that was his poem, that was his poem. It's like my cat takes a poo in the backyard. So that was his social and emotional assignment. 
And uh, so we, 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 meaning Kurt, found a way to use play and movement because that's how kids learn. That's how mammals learn. And use something that's fun, that's meaningful, and that's relevant to teach those really important foundational skills that kids don't want to learn. I mean, no one wants to learn social and emotional skills because, yeah. yeah. But if you use something that's actually fun and active and meaningful and relevant, that's when kids learn it without realizing that they learn it. And then I'm handing over to Kurt. And I'm going to, yeah, thank you. So taking that further. So we built our program around Castle and using their standards. And so for a long time, what I've realized, because I've been a teacher for over 20 years and for kids. And so, and I realized during that time, like when I would either be teaching swim lessons or whatnot, and I was walking a kid to the edge of a diving board. When you walk a kid to the edge of the diving board, that's a death sentence for some kids, right? Like they're screaming. They're it would crying. be for me. Yeah. And it's terrifying, right? So I'm not teaching you how to swim. I'm teaching you how to make a decision about a a responsible decision for yourself. I'm telling you how to say how you feel. I'm telling you how do you act in courage and how do you make all these different decisions. But I'm just teaching you to swim, right? But I'm not. That was a distinction for me was that through a play mode, you're giving kids an opportunity to develop an education that means so much more. And it only makes sense and is only relevant when they feel it. And so we can talk about a feeling circle and we can talk about writing a poem, but boys are just going to immediately talk about cats pooping in the backyard, right? Because it's funny and I'm going to make it fun. Well, why not just make the experience fun? So then the, they, the lesson they can learn is something meaningful as opposed to trying to do it the other way around. I want to teach you something meaningful and then it's boring. So I'm going to have to make it fun somehow. And so we teach three primary components and we teach about the self, which is self-awareness and self-development. We teach about uh, others, how to develop positive relationship skills, meaning how are you socially aware and how do you respond and how do you act within others? So how do you develop those relationship skills? And then finally, how do you make responsible decisions? Those are the three buckets to how we work with kids to develop this type of education, but specifically how we do it is through different types of play. We do it through skill development play. We do it through um, we do it through you know collaborative teamwork. Uh, we do it through the opposite, where there's inner group, uh, competition play. We'll do it through rough and tumble play, where kids get to push each other and, and grab each other, you know, and so they actually have to respond and talk to each other, communicate. And what's happened to a lot of kids is there's a huge denial of play because you know what's perceived as safe versus unsafe. If, you know, you'll have these playground operators saying, get down from there. You're not allowed to do that. You're going to get hurt. Um, You know, kids who are starting to play rough, that's violence. And we're not going to be violent towards our friends, even though that's not. It's the exact opposite. And like Elka was sharing, this is how mammals learn, right? Like lions, they'll, they'll bat each other around, but they don't have open claws. They don't have their teeth bearing. They're playing with each other. Right. And that's learn right and boys are not given that opportunity uh because they're being socialized to be you know sit there be quiet just to do what i'm exactly as i'm instructing you to do and so with all of these social problems and what is needed kids are not being given the opportunity to develop an actual social and emotional education which is the only way that you really do that is through play so do you think it's because there's been a shift uh, a societal shift, generational shift, where 
Karen, you see parents being a lot more helicopter parents and engineering relationships and, 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 you know, forcing kids to have, you know, behave in a certain way and having a lot more conversations with kids now that at least when I was growing up, my parents were completely hands off. And so everything I experienced was through natural consequences where I feel like in this generation now, kids aren't, don't have the ability to do that. I mean, if you see, you know, my, if you take Justin, for example, my husband, he was like, I used to get into fights all the time when I was, you know, in middle school and high school. And that's how we learned each other's boundaries. We, you know, learned certain types of social skills. That's how we made certain friendships of ours. Whereas now the moment there's even an email spat or a text spat between, uh, two kids, the parents get involved and it's, oh my God. And how is it that your child is texting my child this way? And what is going on? And there's too much involvement with parents. Do you think that ha- that is an element of why yeah. we have come to where we are in this, this yeah, age? It's definitely, I mean, it's, but it's also, there's so much pressure on parents to do it right. And so whatever that means, right? Whatever that means, yeah, whatever that means. But then it's also with social media. It's like there were so many opinions. And so parents are trying to play it as safe as possible. So if they make all the decisions, if they make all the right decisions, or they only give their kids a choice that is all the choices are right decisions. So it doesn't really matter what they choose. But there's, there's so much fear for parents to do whatever, to screw up their kids. But then something else that has actually been very counterproductive is this idea of that well that boys and girls are the same and there's only one right way to behave and that's the nice way that's the that's the cooperative way that's the way how you know you talk about problems and then you talk about your feelings and then you you do it kind of in a nice way and for many boys that's just not how it works they have so much energy and they just want to get it out and and the thing is even though I know all of this, I know that it's important for boys. When I see my boys wrestling in the living room, I just need to go. I need to leave. I need to turn around because I'm, and, and it's funny because sometimes I use the right words, but Kurt told me that my voice is just very critical. Even though I'm using the right words, it's my voice sounds critical. So I just have to leave because I know it's important. I know that I don't want to see it. I can't handle it. But a lot of parents, especially moms, we feel like, Oh, this is wrong. This is aggressive. This is, they're going to get hurt. They are, they are now dealing with that, with, with each other in a non-constructive way that we don't like because we have different ways of dealing with that. And with- there are, there are so many, I'm oh, sorry. There are so many people, parents now that are, re- all they do is remove their child from the situation rather than actually, you know, I, Blake had a friend and a bunch of kids were having a pool party Two of them got into a little fight. Mother takes one of the kids away rather than, you know, forcing, forcing everybody them, to yeah. kind of work it out. And mm-hmm. I see a lot of that now. It's just the parents, like, they just don't want to deal with it. Oh, that kid must be terrible or this, that. But no, all kids, all, all boys, at least, I know, they get into stupid arguments. They get to, and they'll be friends two minutes later. But I think removing them. It's the them parents that actually. Caused more of the issue. The moment yeah, you remove them from the work. equation, they can't work it out. Yeah. So, and to share more about what both of you just said is, um, when someone has difficulty controlling their emotions, they often try to control other people's behavior. And instead of them, instead of Elka being able to control her emotions around when she sees the boys wrestling in the living room, she would try to stop the play because she feels uncomfortable, right? If parents see kids fighting, 
I'm going to stop them from, you know, if it's physical and they need to be separated till their heads cool off, that's one thing, but to remove them of the situation where they get to practice making choices of responsible decision-making that you are not going to learn how to have, you're you're not going to help your kid grow their independent skills if they're not given an opportunity to practice responsible decision-making. And they're not going to get that opportunity unless they're allowed to make choices and practice. So you're thinking you're going to you're going to make your choices for your kid up until when they go to college when they go away to college they have zero practice in being independent and they will be completely impotent completely safe you know and and what decisions are they going to make around sex around drugs around all of these different experiences that now are open to you that you had no practice with you Mm -hmm. didn't have to practice saying the word no because you weren't given a choice right and so how are you going to allow your kids to develop that independent skill if you don't give them an opportunity to do so? 100%. So, I call it exposure therapy. Yeah, it's, it's and then there's the yeah. uh, fear of parents that you were saying. I don't even think that it's so much like the fear of parents of screwing up their kids as it is, honestly, the fear of parents having the perception that other parents think they're bad parents. Oh, yes. That's 100%. The embar- it's the embarrassment level. I mean, yep. that, yeah. that's... What, 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 yeah, what do they think if I let my kids? We have been there 100%. We've been there many times. So, yes, that, that is totally a thing. No one is more critical of parents than other parents. And then you just, and, and in order to avoid all of that, you, yeah. you just try, desperately try and keep everything as, as, as safe as possible. But, um, and yeah. what decisions are made from those parents who are feeling that embarrassment? that are actually detrimental to their child. So that way they're perceived as still being good parents. Right. And that's something that's like, you know, like letting your kid walk home from school when they're 10. Right. For some parents, that's, I'm going to call the police because they're alone and it's dangerous. Even right. though it's safe it's ever been, you know, it's still perceived as being dangerous. And so then, you know, it, it blows up into this big thing of, you know, parent of, of I'm afraid to let my kid grow because if I do, then I'm going to be ousted, right? And so... Yeah, and and one of the things is, as we just mentioned earlier, that we take everything, I mean, that we take kids away from any kind of situation that might create conflict. One of the things that's also been done, especially by by schools and games and everything, nothing is allowed to be, or should be competitive anymore. Everything should be cooperative. But what we do is we take away that feeling of, because no one, you know, it's also kids are not allowed to lose anymore. But then that... Give them the opportunity to lose and to then manage their emotions and to be, you know, good losers. The same for the winners. We don't give them an opportunity to win and then be good winners, you know, to not rub it in other people's face. So kids get so little opportunity to practice those really challenging moments. The real moments. The re- yeah, exactly. The real moments. So that it then, but then we expect them to just magically know all of it. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. And then we are really surprised if they act out in ways that are completely unexpected. Right. Never had the chance to actually practice. They never had the chance to practice to lose. And what do I do if I I lose? I'm not going to toss the the board around and then, you know, start start hitting the person that win. And if you win, I don't rub it in the other person's face and tell them that, you know. So it's, but we take all of those opportunities away just to keep it as almost as neutral as possible, so that there is never any you know, any ups and downs. Which doesn't set you up for success, right? Because that's not how the world. Works. Well, I also think that it be then you're you're almost creating you know mechanical human beings 
where, you know, I always love to tell people there's a difference between being a nice person and being a good person. And, you know, what's the difference between raising somebody to, I always call them the politicians that know how to say the right things and act a certain way because that's what they've been conditioned to do rather than them saying the right things and doing the right things because they're they're genuinely good people and they've learned through the natural consequences and through interacting in appropriate healthy ways and developing those real empathetic and real emotional intelligent you know character you know characteristics for themselves you know that that's something that has been always so important I was like I don't want to raise a nice kid. I want to raise a good kid. And that's something that is so important. I always tell people, if you don't get what I just said, you're not my people. If you don't know the difference between being a nice person and a good person, uh-uh. you're, you might not be my cup of tea and I might not be your cup of tea. So what you're saying, you know, totally makes sense because I, I align with it from just a standpoint of how I was raised in Taiwan, you know, so many years ago, 10 years ago, I grew up. In <laughs> I'm not giving up my age. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's extremely important. And I, you know, I could go on, I could listen to you guys for like another five hours um, because this is such an important issue and it's so important, but we do have a limited amount of time. So I'm going to be selfish here. I'm going to give you a fact pattern of what we're going through with our son. And I want you to give me some kind of a freebie, throw, throw something at me that you think that I will find useful and helpful. Okay. So this is the profile. I know a lot of, you know, clinicians like to use that word profile, like your son's profile. So I've almost like adopted that because everybody uses that term with us. So he is, you know, I don't want to even say typical, but it seems like in this day and age, it's typical to say he's a typical ADHD kid or, you know, been diagnosed with it. I had a very difficult time subscribing to it because I'm from a different country and a different culture where that didn't exist versus my husband, who is American from New York that exists, you know, from even back in the day. So he, you know, he has the impulsive uh, anxiety part of the quote unquote ADHD. So we went, made the mistake of sending him to sleepaway camp when he was six years old, honey, yeah, six, six or seven. Yeah, too young. And we also chose the wrong camp. So he was traumatized, didn't like it. We are so close with him. He really enjoys being with us all the time. So he, he does, you know, he's an only child. He's let's an only get, child. Let's get that point across too. So we thought, you know, we scarred him for life and we're like, great. We really screwed up. I guess it's, you know, day camp from here on out. So he'd been going to day camp in the summer. And this past summer, he said to us on his own, without any prompting whatsoever, I gave up on. he said, you know what? I think I'm aging out of day camp. I think I'm ready to go to sleepaway camp, but I want to go to the one where all of my friends are going, which happens to be a camp up in Maine. So we sign him up for it. And we think this is going to be the best thing that you will ever experience Because, you know, it's a scary world that we live in. Camp, you know, sleepaway camp, I think, is a great way for kids to take risks in a safer environment than just, you know, sending them out into the real world, which, you know, is not ideal in this day and age. So he is super excited, gung-ho for sleepaway camp. 
Fast forward, starting from last week, two weeks ago, because he's, you know, he has anxiety. He's been telling us, you know, I'm having bad thoughts. I go, well, what are your bad thoughts? Don't be afraid to share with me because mommy has bad thoughts all the time. What are your bad thoughts? And he's like, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, is this a bad thought of him being violent, you know, and anything worse than that? You know, that's what's going through my head. But his bad thoughts are of being bullied. And I said, you know, are you being bullied right now? Are you having any issues with your friends? And he goes, no. But so, in you know, so when I look at myself as an adult and I see the bad thoughts that are going on, it doesn't mean that, you know, somebody's killing me or, you know, actively killing me or, or endangering my life. But those are the bad thoughts. So I'm like, well, for a kid where his point of reference is so limited, his worst nightmare in the world, as are probably a lot of kids, is being bullied because that's something that is so prevalent, especially in this day and age, or it might be discussed a lot. So so after asking him and ruling out that anything personal or so we were thinking, because there could be something going on and he just doesn't feel comfortable telling us. The next issue that happened after that with all these bad thoughts was, guys, I don't think I'm ready to go to sleepaway camp. Nope, not ready to go to sleepaway camp. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to go. I promise you I'll read books all summer because we make the mistake like, like a lot of parents do where we're like, wait a second. Cause I talk to my kid, like he's like another adult. Okay. And maybe for wrong or, you know, for good or for bad, that's the way I do it. Because for me, I don't want to indulge the child too much in his thing, because I do believe that it becomes a thing. It's almost like this anxiety thing. I'm sure I grew up with anxiety, but my parents didn't indulge me in it. And I'm the most, I'm the strongest, most capable adult you will ever meet. And I, I just plow through everything like I, you know, and I think it's also part of the ingredients to my success is my parents didn't indulge me in anything. So I just had to deal and I had to overcome everything. So I said to Blake, listen, not only did you make this choice to go to sleepaway camp, it is costing us a lot of money. We are at the point of no return where I can't get a refund. You made the choice to go to camp. You're going to go to camp. You also talked a friend of yours to sign, you know, to have his parents sign him up for camp. So he's going for the first time because of you. You have a personal responsibility. You also have a social responsibility for somebody else that's now going because of you. And the parents have also laid out a lot of money that they may or may not, you know, have been comfortable doing. So this is your responsibility. You're going to have a really great time. That's the end of the discussion. And every conversation subsequent to that time where he pulls his stuff, I just ignore him. I ignore him because I don't want to make it a thing. I just keep telling him, you're going to have a great time and you don't even know it. And that's it. You know, stop judging this camp based upon your negative prior experience. You're going to have a great time. And that's all that I know how to say. I don't know whether I, excuse my language, fucked up my child on this particular issue or not, but I want you to tell me. (laughs) Okay, so it's wrong to ignore it. Um, okay. And you're not going to change his mind by just trying to fill in the happy sunshine. It's going to be great, don't worry. Because he does worry, and what is going to resist is going to persist. So here's an example. I don't want you to think about a pink elephant. In the room right now, right over the computer, I don't want you to think of a pink elephant. A giant pink elephant that is you know, four times the size of your dining room table 
whatever you do, don't think of that pink elephant. Don't do it. Don't think about it. Did you ever at one point during that conversation think of a pink elephant? The entire time. Why? I told you not to. Exactly. Right. right. If you're not going to solve the problem by saying ignore it, right? You're going right. to ignore it. That's not going to work because it exists. And so unless you address the fact that it exists, then it's going to keep persisting, right? You're not going to like, if you spill milk, you don't cover it up with newspaper and then just be like, it's gone. Don't worry about it. Let's just look at the, uh, over here, it's prettier, right? Right. Go away. What? Because the fear exists. The fear exists because he did experience trauma for a six to seven year old for whatever reason, as in your words, right? So if that's the case and he did experience something terrifying, then you're asking him to face his fear again, right? And you're asking him to face his fear and ignore the fact that he's facing a fear because he's going to have a great time, right? I think on one hand, what you did do well was that he has a personal responsibility, right? He has a personal responsibility to go because he said he was going to go. We paid for it and you got your friend to go. You have to go, right? That's good that you guys didn't back down and that he had to go. Right. On the other hand, where an improvement, I would, I would offer that an improvement could be made, would be that don't ignore it, walk him through it. What is the scary part? What is the hard part? What is it that you're afraid of, right? And if you can have him identify the feeling that he has, and then from that feeling, you can then say, okay, well, that's the fear that you have. Okay, well, let's make a plan is if, if that had happened, what can we do about it, right? Because nothing feels fear like a plan, like an anxiety. If you're anxious about what the trip is going to be like and all that stuff, and I walk you through the itinerary and I share with you all of those things, that's right. a lot of anxiety, right? Because yes. So if the worst case scenario happens, I know what I'm going to do, and that makes it feel like I have a, play, a centered place. So that can be extremely helpful. But And so the other thing I would suggest too would be to – well, two things. One is it is a fear, right? And a fear always lives greater in your imagination than it does in reality, right? right? And so I'm going to imagine the worst case scenario as if that's already happened. And so I'm going to punish myself in a, in a way, way before it even occurs. And then I might even manifest that because that's all I'm focused on. And if that's right. what I'm focused on, that is more likely to get the outcome, right? Because that's what all I'm seeing and that's all I'm thinking about. So getting them to understand that, well, right, first of all, I know that you had a bad experience. Develop some empathy. I know that that was really scary for you and that it must be really scary for you to face your fear again. Develop empathy statement, right? But give them your faith. But I believe that you are strong enough, brave enough, and that you've grown so much that you can do it. But I still know that there's some fear. So let's make a plan. Where does this fear come from? What do you think? What do you, what's the scary part for you? Well, I'm scared that I'm going to be bullied. Okay, you're scared you're going to be bullied. What What's going to, um, are you afraid of, you know, you can have them identify a little bit, but if that happens, what do you think we can do about it? And we can do about it, or you can do about it, right? And then up to the point where, like, maybe you're willing to go and, go and pick them up early, right, from the camp, right? Or, you know, and letting them know that that's a possibility. Or perhaps um, you could have... Uh, even before that case, like, let's say you're going to have your, uh, because it's a big thing. It's going from zero to one, right? And so if you're going to go from like an only child, 
you know, there's been COVID, he hasn't seen other kids, other kids are been taught that they're dangerous, right? Because you weren't allowed to be around people. And, you know, and there's all this, there's all this difficulty around kids with their delayed social interactions in, uh, and if he's already a little anxious and he's already, you know, he had a bad experience, start small. Don't go from zero to a hundred. Can you give him a couple of opportunities to meet new kids in the area where he can build on developing positive relationships with new kids? So then that way it's not going from zero to a hundred where I'm going to be out of state away from my support group, away from everybody I know, and it's going to be a brand new environment and I hope things work out. And I, last time it didn't, but you start small and local and just say, Hey, let's go. Um, how about we go and try this new activity? And then can he make a couple of, you know, even if it was just a nice time, right? Hey, you did so good. Right? And then lavish on that praise build that'll build up his self-confidence and then i think that might also serve you as well and have some sleepovers sorry yeah with especially with the friend that he's going with just kind of have his friend come over to your place and have sleepovers at your place and then at, or, at or vice place. versa him, yeah, him to there yeah so that he sees that that's that it's okay yeah develop that bond with him and then that way he's got a support buddy there too yeah. I love that. Thank you guys Thank you so guys. much for that. But I can't, I can't let you go without asking the question I ask all of my guests because it's, it's so important from a business partnership, this, you know, life partnership perspective. Now that you guys have been together in a relationship as well as, you know, in life, as well as in, in business. And I want to hear this from each of you. What has been your best lesson or takeaway learned thus far? For some of our guests, the, the takeaway of the life lesson is the same exact one as in business. Some of them, you know, separated out, but I want to hear. So Elke, if you want to go first, ladies first, what so far has been that, that really important nugget of a lesson, you know, takeaway? Yeah, that's actually that that was at the very, very beginning. So when Kurt and I started the business and the relationship, so we both just got divorced and I left my relationship of 12, 17 years and I had two kids and literally every single person said that I was fucking insane, that I was screwing up my life, that I was screwing up my kids. I was throwing everything out and I was giving everything up for like just some random emotional whatever um, reasons. And uh, it was really hard to still think, no, no, this is the right thing. And you know, when everyone tells you, oh my God, you're being insane and then just still doing it. But the biggest life lesson or the biggest lesson was like, I knew, I knew it was the right thing to do. And I ignored everyone that told us that we were absolutely insane and were, we were destroying each other's lives and just going for it anyway. Because I think that's often the hardest step is like so many women know exactly what they want to do and what they have to do, but then everyone tells them you're insane and then they don't do it. So just going with your gut. Trust your instinct and don't listen to all the noise, kind of block out the noise and, and go for it. Yeah. I mean, it's been the last seven years, it's just been absolutely incredible on every level. And uh, I'm so, so grateful that I didn't hear to all the people that told me that I was insane. There's the, you know, to all the people out there, right? Yeah. Yes. And what about you, Kurt? Yeah. For me, it's, uh, so I had a mentor growing up 
And it just kind of gave me the, uh, well, I'll share this first. I had a mentor growing up and he said to me that, um, follow your passion and let the money follow, right? Don't chase money, just follow your passion. I have never followed money. (laughs) I have only followed passion. And because of that, I am more successful now than I ever would have thought I would have been with something that would have been my real job, with something that would have been my, you know, I tried, I tried to fit into, I got expelled from college more than once. I got, uh, you know, I tried to go through like a, a trade school for computer programming because it was supposed to be a lucrative career. Nothing worked. I, you know, like I tried to fit into the mold and it doesn't work. And so just by following my passion, that was something that brought me to this, which was, which is something that I now believe I am living my purpose because I believe that passion is akin to your purpose um, because you don't really pick what you're passionate about. And if you follow it and cultivate it, then you have an opportunity to really develop a skill that the world needs and you're going to enjoy it. Right. And so you might as well do something that you love. And if you do that and you follow that passion and you serve your purpose to the greatest potential that you can, that's something that has brought us together because you even shared with me recently that you were like, you know, um, I feel like this is. My oh yeah. Purpose, yeah. No, absolutely. Right? My purpose, my purpose in this world is to make sure that Kurt is going to be successful. So that's, that's just, and it's something that even just a few years ago, I would have been furious about that. My purpose is to make a guy successful, but he has the skill and the talent and the gift that so, so, so few people have in the world so badly needs. So it's my purpose to make sure that he gets the exposure and that we have the impact to make the world a better place. And, you know, behind every great man is also an incredible woman. And I have to tell you something, Kurt, I have to interject for a second. Very, I, I'm a super deep, like I like to go deep. I can't talk about the weather. I can't talk about a lot of things because I love to go deep. And so one of the things that I, I, you know, and it's weird because as we're having this Zoom conversation, this podcast, I, what's going through my brain right now is, wow, I have very infrequently, very infrequently, so that's a huge compliment to you, spoken to a gentleman that is so eloquent and has such a high emotional intelligence and ha- and just gets it and the way that you are able to break down and articulate what you believe in what your thought is is really extraordinary um i don't see it often maybe it's where i live i don't know (laughs) but i have to tell you it's you know like it's not to say that elke you're not it's just that for a man like i you know i listen (laughs) in my in my field i deal and i'm not trying to be sexist but as a lawyer, you know, I deal with a lot of men and men, even my husband, I'm going to lump him into it. You know, when I talk to him, no. you don't communicate sometimes in the elo- with the eloquence and the, the ability for Kurt to, t- you know, to express himself the way he does is really extraordinary. I have to tell you. And for, for him to have to be able to do it at this age, because you know, sometimes, you know, with age comes wisdom, but, you know, you seem to be a, a young, younger-ish guy. 
And so the fact that you have the ability to communicate the way that you do is really amazing as a guy. So I have to give you props for that. Thank you very much. That's yeah. very kind. Thank no, you. but it's, it's, he really is. It's, it's, uh, it's stunning. It's, uh, it's definitely one of Kurt's talents and gifts. <laughs> Yeah. It was given. Follow your passion. You'll Follow see. your passion. But I, I love, you know, you guys are doing something so great. I wish you guys were here in Miami. If you are able to really grow and make, you know, Kong Academy successful, I, I, more successful than it is to where you're able to go beyond the boundaries of, you know, your state, um, that would really be a gift to not only the United States, but the world. If you guys, if you're able to do it right, scale it to the point where you're able to share this incredible gift with the rest of the world. That would be my hope uh, for you guys. And I, I wish you continued yeah, success, you know, um, and anything we can do to spread that word, we will do it a million times over because it really truly is incredible what you guys are doing. I mean, we interview people from all different industries and not that there is any one industry more important than another, but this is something that we happen to personally uh, really believe in and something that I think is so important because you got to get them young. You got to get the kids young to develop the kids to to be, you know, really healthy, mentally, physically, socially, psychologically healthy adults. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. I um, if I may, I can I, I'd like to share one thing. Um, of course, please. We believe the same. And so we've made are making an online program for kids to be able to cultivate these skills. And so if you are listeners that are um, curious about finding out more, um, we have our Kong Academy online program for kids that will allow kids to develop these skills at home. So, And can you tell the audience um, what that website would be so everybody has the benefit um, and access to that program? We're working on the landing page today. So I'll okay. working on that today. But yes, it'll all go live hopefully in like mid-June. Just yep. saying this right now. <laughs> but uh, that's, we'll definitely share all the details with you guys. Yeah. That would be, yeah, that would be amazing if you did. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. It's truly been such, you know, such a pleasure to have this podcast with you guys and to get it, to know a little bit about you guys but, you know, more importantly, the amazing thing that you guys are doing. So thank you. And, um, you know, best of luck to you guys. That's a wrap for this week's episode. Don't miss next week's episode for more relatable, real, and practical insights from Relationship, packed with even more candid conversations. So make sure to subscribe, tune in, and keep your wine glass full. And if you want to share your own experience or ask a question, Follow us on social media and feel free to reach out. Go to CernitzLaw.com, call 888-68-DAMAGE, or email us at cshanbraun at CernitzLaw.com or jcernitz at CernitzLaw.com.